0: CHAPTER 19 OF THE SURVIVORS OF THE CHANCELLOR BY JULES Verne. THIS LibriVox RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN RECORDING BY JOE DENOYA, SOMERSET, NEW JERSEY THE CARGO UNLOADED NOVEMBER 6TH TO NOVEMBER 15TH For the first five days after the Chancellor had run aground, there was a dense black smoke continually rising from the hold, but it gradually diminished until the 6th of November, when we might consider that the fire was extinguished. Curtis, nevertheless, deemed it prudent to preserve in working the pumps, which he did until the entire hull of the ship, right up to the deck, had been completely inundated. The rapidity, however, with which the water, at every retreat of the tide, drained off to the level of the sea was an indication that the leak must be of considerable magnitude. And such, on investigation, proved to be the case. One of the sailors, named Flaypole, dived one day at low water to examine the extent of the damage and found that the hole was not much less than four feet square, and was situated thirty feet, fore of the helm, and two feet above the rider of the keel. Three planks had been stove in by a sharp point of rock, and it was only a wonder that the violence with which the heavily laden vessel had been thrown ashore did not result in the smashing in of many parts beside As it would be a couple of days or more before the hold would be in a condition for the bales of cotton to be removed for the carpenter to examine the damage from the interior of the ship, curtis employed the interval in having the broken missing-mast repaired. dowlas the carpenter with considerable skill contrived to mortise it into its former stump and made the junction thoroughly secure by strong iron belts and bolts the shrouds the stays and backstays were then carefully refitted some of the sails were changed and the whole of the running rigging was renewed injury to some extent had been done to the poop and to the crew's lockers in the front but time and labor were all that were wanted to make them good and with such a will did everyone set to work that it was not long before all the cabins were again available for use. On the 8th, the unlading of the ship commenced. Pulleys and tackling were put over the hatches, and passenger and crew together proceeded to haul up the heavy bales, which had been deluged so frequently by water that the cotton was all but spoiled. One by one, the sodden bales were placed in the boat to be transported to the reef. After the first layer of cotton had been removed, it became necessary to drain off part of the water that filled the hold. For this purpose, the leak in the side had somehow or other to be stopped, and this was an operation which was cleverly accomplished by Dallas and Flaypole, who continued to dive at low tide and nail a sheet of copper over the entire hole. This, however, of itself would have to be utterly inadequate to sustain the pressure that would arise from the action of the pumps so Curtis ordered that a number of the bales would be piled up inside against the broken planks. The scheme succeeded very well, and as the water got lower and lower in the hold, the men were enabled to resume their task of unlading. Curtis thinks it quite probable that the leaks may be mended from the interior. By far the best way of repairing the damage would be to careen the ship, and to shift the planking, but the appliances are wanting for such an undertaking moreover any bad weather which might occur while the ship was on her flank would only too certainly be failed to her altogether but the captain has very little doubt that by some device or other he shall manage to patch up the hole in such a way as will ensure our reaching land in safety after two days toil the water was entirely reduced and without further difficulty the unlading was completed all of us including even andre letourner have been taking our turns at the pumps for the work is so extremely fatiguing that the crew requires some occasional respite. Arms and back soon become strained and weary with the incessant swinging of the handles, and I can well understand the dislike which sailors always express to the labor. One thing there is which is much in our favor. The ship lies on a firm and solid bottom, and we have the satisfaction of knowing that we are not contending with a flood that encroaches faster than it can be resisted. Heaven grant that we may not be called to make like efforts, and to make them hopelessly for a foundering ship. End of chapter 19